I'm Dietrich Hunter, and this is Curate Curiosity. Look at, look at, look at, look at, look at what you're doing to me. Today's episode is all about one it's thing. One year, Scotland. Four months and a couple of weeks. And yet, it's still nothing compared to the nights on the beach. Close your eyes and don't peek. No. So a few years back, while we were still living in Spain, we decided to take a spring break trip to the UK. A buddy of mine and his wife were kind of recouping some missed travel from COVID, so we decided to link up with them. This was our first time in the UK, so a part of the trip we spent in London, the other half we spent in Edinburgh and other parts of Scotland. Going into this trip in April 2022, we didn't have a ton of expectations. We obviously wanted to try some local food. Haggis was on the menu. We wanted to get a little bit of golf in, and beyond that, we were just along for the ride. Getting to this place was pretty easy. Edinburgh has an incredible airport with a solid tram that'll take you right into the city. We took the tram from the airport into the city, and it was about 30, 40 minutes. There are tons of transit staff pretty much every phase of the journey to support you from ticket purchase to arrival, so no need to splurge for an Uber or taxi. It's really built for you to use that public system and benefit from those savings. Once we got into the city, we walked from St. Andrew's Square uh, over to Waverly Market, pretty much the same area. Just tried to get an idea of where we were, get the lay of the land, and obviously we needed to put our bags down. So since we were traveling for this long time, we did have some bags that we wanted to offload before our Airbnb opened up. We got there pretty early on the day that we arrived, so we found some bag storage in that Waverly Market area, even though... There are a lot of companies that will store your bag for a fee. I would say go with the self-service. It feels a little bit more sketchy and less secure, but our situation worked out perfectly. There were plenty of people doing exactly what we were doing, saving a dollar, doing the self-service, rather than contracting one of those local companies to store our bags. A lot of them pay more by the hour on like a 6 to 12 hour range, and their fee is more than quadruple sometimes what it would be on the self-service side. So use the self-service luggage storage like a local. It works out. As far as the stay, we were super impressed. We had a spot and it was called Fiona's Place. Not only do you get a really, really cool neighborhood, but you kind of get a hidden gem. So the condo from Monica and Pierre gave us not only a great spot, not only a great location, but it had concierge level services. They took many of our questions before we got there, as we were there, and even as we left. Unfortunately, during my time there, I even needed some support on the back end because I lost an item. One of my days when I was flying my drone, trying to get some really, really great shots of the castle, some of the local wildlife, pigeons, damn pigeons, Kind of swarmed and swooped on the drone, feeling a little threatened by it, which is natural, not the first time, but definitely took note because as they kind of mobbed my drone, they sent it into a tree. I had no idea if I would ever see that drone again. So in a crazy turn of events that I'll probably get to a bit later in this episode, I was able to retrieve that drone with the help of some of the garden staff there. Since we would be leaving, 
uh, during that time, it was super important that me and Pierre stayed connected and he was able to facilitate my drone being shipped from Edinburgh to London to Madrid and eventually to my hands. So I'll get more into that maybe later in this episode. But again, just a big plug for finding people who are responsive for your stay. It can really, really pay dividends, literally, because I would have been out my drone if he had just decided that this wasn't worth his trouble. Overall, I'm nothing but grateful for this day. I'll add some pictures to kind of walk you through what this spot looks like, but the best thing to do is just click into the show notes and check out the Airbnb link. It's still active. They have, I think, a few properties listed. And again, their property is just the beginning of what they're gonna provide for you. Now, I know when people think the UK, food is something that comes up, but it isn't always highlighted. I think people get kind of cheeky and poke fun at food in the UK because the flavors aren't always, you know, full of spice and seasoning. Let's just keep it 100, right? So, like, at the end of the day, UK isn't known for its incredible spices, right? Like, I saw this thing on, <laughs> I saw this thing on TikTok of, like, travel the world, conquer the world in search of spices, right? That's basically what Europe did uh, because their food was lacking, right? But <laughs> at the end of the day, when we got into Edinburgh, there's a couple spots that stood out both in Edinburgh itself as well as in the Highlands. So I'm going to just highlight two. Most of the things we did were kind of on the run, bar food, etc. But two spots that really stand out for me are number one, Oink Victoria Street. So Oink is a spot where they take an actual, you know, roasted pig and they divide it up right in front of you and make a pulled pork sandwich. So it was really cool to kind of have this like lechonish feel that I saw when I was in the Philippines and that I've seen in the States. And even when we were, you know, at the Mercado Cervantino in Madrid, as well as down in Argentina, right? This kind of roasted pig aspect of pigs are just tasty. I know not everybody does the hog thing, but yeah, we do. So we leaned into this spot as one of our first meals out while we were in Edinburgh and we weren't sorry. One of the reasons we chose it is because the price point was right. The quality was solid and they had something local. So besides it being a spot where we could get a really nice sando, we really focused on trying some local things and they had haggis that you could add to your sandwich. So in this time, we decided to have our first bites of haggis, and we were blown away. The sandwich was super succulent. Their sauces and add-ons were just incredible flavors, and the haggis, go figure, is just full of spice. So their version of it, I don't know if it was made in-house or elsewhere, but it had this flavor to it that had this sagey feel but a little bit of heat as well as a little bit of earthiness so we were here for it right so it was really worth trying and if we were to go back we would definitely go to oink again because even in this single trip for a few days i think we went to oink at least twice once on our own and then i think we went back there once our friends linked up with us 
The other spot that we really enjoyed was this spot called the Boathouse. Now I'll get more into the Boathouse later and I'll paint some pictures when I get into these experiences that we took to the Scottish Highlands. But at Fort Augusta, right off of Loch Ness, you have the Boathouse. The Boathouse is an incredible little restaurant tucked right up there as you look out over Loch Ness. Obviously, it's kind of the crown jewel of the tour we took. So we were on cloud nine, loving our lives. And most people, when they think of Scotland, they think of Nessie, they think of this area, they think of music, they think of a lot of things, right? When we got there, we were really into the idea of getting some fish and chips. We were really into the idea of getting some more haggis and trying some more local things. So we did that. Um, We kind of got a spread once we got there, splurged a little bit at this spot because this is a more two to three dollar sign type joint. And it's worth it. Not only are the flavors solid, but the quality is good. So again, we laid into the haggis. We got some different potato deals as well as some sausages. And I got the fish and chips just to see what was going on with that. They bring them out with some peas and mash them up. And yeah, trying the fish and chips around the UK was a real treat. So definitely no complaints about the boathouse. They even got us seated as many, many tours were arriving, and they got our food out to us when we only had about 40 minutes, 30 minutes to eat. So they know what it is. They were fully aware of the fact that, you know, people have to get back on their buses or in their cars to head back collectively. So they know what to do to make your trip easy. So I'm definitely grateful that we popped into the boathouse. But overall, those are the two that stood out to me. Both involved haggis, just a local gem of a food, as well as both involved something that kind of took us off guard, right? Being there out at Fort Augusta, able to look over the water and be slapping some fish and chips and some haggis back and just kind of enjoying that crystallized moment just made a memory for us. So... If you get the chance, you should definitely, definitely check out the boathouse. So one of the first experiences we had when we got into Edinburgh beyond food and beyond enjoying our stay was just enjoying that central old Edinburgh feel. Old Edinburgh is just incredible. There's a castle that you can see for most of your walk around the central city. There's a beautiful cathedral as well as so many different hidden gems that usually can take a tour to figure out. One of the things that we figured out was this thing they call closes. So it looks like, you know, these little alleyways named after different people or time periods or locations. But we did a close tour. So these closes are kind of little alleyways that were built up during the time between buildings that people used to kind of live or subsist, right? Exist and survive through many, many, many decades and hundreds of years in history overall these really really boomed during that industrial phase as well as some other times where these 
urban centers were growing even before that industrialization set in. Either way, closes are an amazing part of the city with a really, really cool as well as pretty quirky history. So one of the things that we learned or that our tour guide told us, who knows what truth is, right, in this case, but uh, we learned the original usage um, of shit-faced. So yes, I said that, shit-faced. So the idea that... (laughs) The idea that he brought up was that in these closes, people used to build houses on top of each other, forming into these huge apartments. Overall, what would happen, as in many, many places in history, people would, through their balconies or out their windows, just toss whatever uh, they needed to, one, cleaning the floor or cleaning out their um, mm, extras bucket, I'll say it like that, right? So food was like coming out of these windows, right? Other food waste, but also bodily waste. So shit. So the reality was all through these different times, there were laws that were kind of put in place to kind of change when you could do that. And there were laws to put in place that said, you can only throw your poop out the window during this time. Well, what would happen is that people would stay out late and late and early in the morning is the time when people could really dump, right? So when people were coming home super late or very, very early in the morning, desvelados, right? They would be walking through the clothes, trying to get back home, kind of meandering, and people would begin to clean out their shit buckets during the appropriate time. And as they did, things might fall on their face as they were looking around, trying to find their way in the dark. And sometimes those people were named as shit-faced drunk, right? So if you found yourself out in the close during a time when People were relieving themselves and also emptying out other ways that people have relieved themselves in their home during that time without plumbing, then you might have gotten shit-faced because people were dumping things into the closes, these alleyways uh, where you might have found yourself after a really long, fun night. Um, it would turn to the worst nightmare, um, becoming shit-faced, obviously. So that's where our tour guide said that shit-faced comes from. He said they invented that in Edinburgh. Uh, They invented that, and it spread to some other spots because that's what happens in a close. That's what happens when you stay out too late, and that's the facts according to Scottish history. So think about it. Look it up. Not sure, but it was a fun story to hear, so I wanted to share it with you. But 100% do those walking tours. Edinburgh is so walkable, number one. Number two, their guides are super good, right? The guides that we had on our walking tours, both the free and non-free varieties, were really, really strong personalities. I would say do one in a language that you understand easily. We almost got roped into a Spanish one because people were really, really registering for these at a high clip. So we almost didn't make it onto the tour that we ended up doing. We were so grateful that we did the tour early because it kind of broke down some of the things we wanted to see and didn't want to see. It made it easier to kind of deprioritize certain aspects like the cathedral or parts of the castle because we had kind of gotten the history from the outside. It was incredible, though, to be able to kind of sit under someone and understand their city their current government, as well as just some really funny stories throughout history. 
So I would say the walking tour, close tour, even some of the night scary tours are great. Last plug is that make sure your tour takes you over into Greyfriars, right? Um, Greyfriars is like a local cemetery. I'm not sure 100% of all of the history, but it had some of the best parts of history that we were able to observe during our time there. I know it's a little morbid. I know it sounds maybe a little bit weird, but cemeteries are full of stories, literally. So make sure you take the time to ask questions and lean into those tours that take you from city center over to some of the cemeteries and graveyards nearby. So one of the major experiences that I really wanted to have while I was in Edinburgh and Scotland overall was golfing. So obviously golf comes from Scotland. It's something that they hold near and dear. You have some really famous courses there, St. Andrew and many others scattered around. And while I didn't get to go to any of those, I did still get to swing the sticks a little bit. So I went to Portobello. Uh, this is just a bus ride outside Edinburgh. It's just past Arthur's Seat because you can see it actually from the course. So it is still pretty close to the water. It has a very airy feel to it. Um, it definitely was facing some of the elements, but it was really, really incredible to just kind of relax, take a beat, and be by myself for a little bit of time. But the coolest part is not only that I could rent clubs and kind of get all the gear I needed for pretty cheap, way, way cheaper than I expected, but it was that I was able to play a couple rounds. The first thing that I'd say is that when you go, prepare yourself to just rent. It's probably easier than trying to bring your own gear unless you're doing any kind of tournament. The second thing I'd say, set your expectations based on your price point. I chose a local spot that was just kind of your run-of-the-mill park district course. There were plenty of other options, both for gear as well as gameplay. But I just wanted to kind of get out there and experience it. I wasn't here for, you know, this high-level, top-tier version of golfing in Edinburgh. The last thing is talk to people. So, obviously, you're not going to be talking to people while they're swinging the sticks and everything. But at the same time, people were ready to make friends. Uh, the people at the pro shop, as well as other people coming on and off the course, were down to talk and understand uh, where I was from and what I was doing. Many of them were also traveling either for the holiday or they were in country just for a few days like I was. One of the people that I met was an Irishman who had since moved there years ago. They were also a teacher, so it was cool to kind of hang out with this guy from Ireland and swap stories a little bit about teaching, also a high school teacher at the time. But beyond that, we were able to play around together. So this course, Portobello, was just kind of like a quick and easy nine-hole deal. He was playing the course backwards as I was just getting started. So we decided to just kind of do a run of it together. After he did his run, I kind of took some notes from his playbook and played another nine on my own. It was incredible, though, to have those sights and sounds and be able to kind of just enjoy that atmosphere. I wasn't expecting for it to feel like such a memory, but it definitely stuck with me to be looking up and seeing Arthur's seat and to have it kind of work out so seamlessly, I had no complaints. I was super into it. And even though it was a great day out, I didn't keep score. So I'm not sure how well I did, but I'm sure uh, I'd do it again because I had a great time. While I was golfing with the guy from Ireland, I think his name was Matt or Max. 
We kind of kept going back and forth with recommendations on how we should spend our time. He was super knowledgeable and able to help us out, pointing us in the right direction, especially when it came to bars. One of the bars this guy recommended was called Whistle Binkies. So it's a classic kind of odd UK name, if you ask me. But overall, this spot was solid. So I would give this a real strong rating for a couple of reasons. Number one, solid drinks. Uh, there were even a few things on the menu that we were used to having back home. I think they maybe had some Allagast as well as one other IPA that we were super familiar with. It may have been something from Lagunitas. But beyond that bar, there was tons of music. So Edinburgh as well as Scotland is known for having really good pubs with live bands and this one did not disappoint. It was so cool to experience the house band. They were full of covers and they even played a few originals. This was a total sing-along scenario. So the house band was pretty cool, but no matter what they were playing, the whole place was on their feet singing along. I think it's no surprise why this place was packed wall to wall. I'd say Whistle Binkies is worth another visit if we go back, and I couldn't imagine what this would be like if they had some kind of promo, holiday, or special event on the weekends. Next place I got to check out was this awesome barcade called NQ64 Edinburgh. So NQ64 may or may not be connected to some other sites, but this one was an awesome bar arcade. And I say barcade more than beercade because they had some fancy cocktails that kind of stretched well beyond the beer. This place was incredible because it had a variety of games, beautiful setup, as well as just an atmosphere worth experiencing. When you go in, again, you'll have so many options at your fingertips for things to nibble on as well as to sip on. But beyond that, the gameplay was incredible too. This place had everything from pinball to the old-time four-player games like X-Men and Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. But they also had my favorite game of all time, Time Crisis 2. I kind of make it a point to play this game whenever I see it. Even if I have to wait in line or chill off to the side, I will queue for this game because it's just one that gives me so much nostalgia back to when I was a kid, playing it with family members uh, and just simply beating it. Every time I see it, I take some time and I try to beat it. So that's what I committed myself to that evening and I stayed for a little bit of time until I got that final screen letting me know. Uh, that wild dog and his crew had died off yet again. So it was really cool to be back uh, in a barcade, just hanging out, even though I was, you know, halfway around the world. It was cool to have that feeling of nostalgia and that connection to something that I just simply love to do. I'm a pretty big extrovert, but when it comes to gameplay, I don't mind spending a few hours by myself. Yeah, I was in public still, and I did get to meet a few people along the way. Invited some people to learn how to play alongside me. But overall, I got to have a great time beating a game that I love and kind of just owning the moment out there in Edinburgh. There are two other major mentions under the experience category of our trip. 
The first one is the National Museum of Scotland. We actually went to this place to get out of the rain, so we weren't really planning on it. And I think the day that we went, it might have been free for some reason. Either way, the exhibits were really insane. They were really cool. But like any museum, obviously, there are things gathered from around the world. So that may or may not be your thing to see aspects of other cultures kind of deposited in this place put on display. I think even with that critical lens that we had just walking through these halls, it was still incredible to kind of note this walkthrough of history, industry, and development throughout time. I would say the National Museum is definitely worth a visit because, again, it's just floor after floor after floor of history, and these artifacts really speak to how small the world is and how it's changed over time. When I say the world is small, I mean... I think it's way closer than we give it credit for. And the other half of that is that we could get to these things. While these things might have been taken from different cultures and provide a touchstone to a different space or time, many of these places are accessible and things that we can kind of track the development of those cultures and customs even to this day. So I would dive in. I know I'm staying pretty general on this, but the National Museum of Scotland has a lot to see. Um, and I think it's worth popping in and experiencing for yourself. Another spot that wasn't actually my favorite stop in Edinburgh was the Hunted Dungeon Tour. So we did this kind of like dungeon tour with Mercat. These tours were solid, but I, I think it just came off a little hokey compared to our street tour, which was way funnier, way scarier, and a lot more informative. So I kind of give this one like a little bit of a boo, you know. Um, I don't like doing negative reviews, and I wouldn't say that it's not a good thing to do. I would more say it just wasn't for me. Um, the cons are that I think it would be cool if you had more time to just tour the crypt area and less theatrics. There was a lot of trying to scare us. There was a lot of one-man show vibes, and that wasn't bad, but I think the pros is that the space is really cool. It's really awesome to hear the history, to see these physical spots, and kind of compare what we learned on one tour to another. So I would say try out a few tours, and then you rate them and rank them on your own. This one is definitely worth doing with Macat, but this one does cost a couple bucks, and I think that's where it also kind of hits this category of my expectations were raised, even if the quality wasn't. As far as missed connections on this trip, there were a few things that we knew about, learned about, but just were unable to squeeze in. The big one for me is the rugby stadium tour. We didn't get over to the, the rugby stadium to really soak it up. We saw it going and coming, and it was incredible to kind of like fantasize about getting inside. There weren't any matches or fixtures during the time that we were there. Overall, though, there's more than just rugby in Scotland. The castle... It was incredible to see from the outside and from below in Prince's Gardens. Also, the cathedral. The cathedral, we kind of reviewed it on our tour. So I didn't feel like we need, need, needed to pop inside because we had already kind of gotten a real, real, real strong review of both the art, architecture, as well as history. 
of the space. The last few things are we didn't do any other cities. We have plans to go to Glasgow. We wanted to also go to Isle of Skye potentially, but it just didn't work out. Uh, we didn't know what we'd be able to squeeze in. We considered the idea of renting a car, and we eventually just bet against that. And finally, Scotch Tour. A lot of my friends lean into this kind of idea of adult masculinity where it's scotch and cigars and all these things. And for me, I'm just not that person. But if you know me, I am an experienced person. So while I don't love scotch, I definitely would do a scotch tour just to get connected to the history, the making, and the artistry of it, right? I'm more concerned with the process and those cultural products than I am with developing a taste for scotch. My mind could be changed, but I'm kind of bummed that we didn't get to do a scotch tour. We did some other tours, and that's something we usually try to prioritize. We usually do either a brewery or distillery in the countries that we go to so that we can just kind of understand with a little bit more specificity what they prioritize and how that joined their history. So it would have been cool. Didn't happen this time. We came to Edinburgh to spend time with friends. We wanted to connect while we were in another country. And during our planning time, we kind of went back and forth on how we were going to get to see the Highlands. We wanted to rent a car just to have some flexibility. We also wanted to make sure we got up to Loch Ness so we could be the first people to see the Loch Ness Monster, of course. And then we also wanted to make sure we had no headache. The real, real hard part is that last one. The rental part, doable, but we don't really know our way. The weather part and the road part kind of would have given us a bit of a headache, and I think it would have taken from us more than it would have given to us. So in the end, we decided to do a tour. There's a tour company there in Edinburgh and throughout the region called Rabies, R-A-B-B-I-E-S. So that tour company was phenomenal. And I, I shudder to say the full company. I don't want to put any shade on the company, but I know for a fact that our tour guide was the best, which is why I believe the company was the best. If you go to Edinburgh and you do a rabies tour, ask for Ali. His name's Alistair, and you won't be disappointed. Not everyone loved him on our tour, but I think his style really, really, really fit how I think and how I love to learn on my trips. Alistair was incredibly eclectic. Everything he did was intentional and complex. His tour had some major through lines with tidbits from royals to UK events to music to other aspects of pop culture throughout the 19th and 20th century. He was just a fountain of knowledge. And he had a song, a literal song on a CD that coincided with each piece of our road trip. It was incredible the transitions he made. It was appropriately theatrical as well as super knowledgeable. He also was well-traveled, so throughout the trip, he would ask people where they've come from or the last trip they've taken or their favorite spot to do such and such, and he would be like, oh, I've been there, or oh, my cousin's done this, or et cetera, et cetera, and he always had a connection and was ready to dive in. <laughs> the last thing that I want to say before we get into actually what we saw is that during these full six hours of driving, he spoke the whole time. Now, I know that sounds crazy. But as somebody who does a podcast, is a teacher, and could speak probably about that long, I know that I would be exhausted by the end of that. But he did it like it was nothing. I guess he'd been giving tours for like 10 to 15 years, um, and he just kept coming 
and coming and coming. And when he would see things or people would have questions, it would just launch him further into really complex but really gripping conversation. He had a knack for just being able to name events, locations, and pointing things out while he was driving. While he was having his eyes on the road, he also had this map that was over his head. So it wasn't just dangling. It was like posted over his head in this kind of mini bus that we were on. And while he was driving, he could just reach up and point where we were, where this thing happened that he was talking about, and where we were going. He was incredible. And I wish I took a video of that whole rundown because I think it's hard to give you the theater of the mind of what we experienced because he was just so amazing. If you go to Edinburgh, please click into the show notes and take his tour. Other people on that company, I'm sure, are just as knowledgeable, but I don't know if they're as engaging. I really loved my tour of rabies, and I think that I would do it again, even though I've already been, because it was that good, and I know that there's got to be pieces that I missed. On the way back, obviously, we were super tired from being gone all day. You wake up pretty early to leave. I fell asleep for a little while, woke up. And he was a little bit more calm because most people were kind of nodding off in the portions where we were coming through and retracing our steps back towards Edinburgh. But he was very animated and ready to engage at any moment. Just incredible. So I'll probably do a separate touchstone video to let you know where we went with some kind of fast motion things to walk you through what we got to see. But the main highlights are we made it up to Fort Augusta. It was incredible to take the route through Glencoe. We got to see Three Sisters Viewpoint. Um, we got to see these kind of rivers flowing together during that whole trip up north. I could not imagine how beautiful the highlands are, and I hope that I get to get back again in a different season. I think that the season that we went in was solid, but I would love to go when it was even a bit warmer. We went at spring break, so it wasn't bad. We kind of had jackets on and that was plenty but I think it would be really incredible to hike in the highlands on our route through the highlands up towards Glencoe we stopped over in some spots along the way that were familiar to our friend Laura uh, she's from Scotland and it was cool to be able to kind of see some of the places and kind of text her pictures of things that we thought reminded us of her or stuff that she had told us about where she was from so it was cool to pass by Sterling and some of these other towns. And unfortunately, we didn't get over to Glasgow and some of these other places that she recommended, but it was cool to try some of these pastries and really kind of feel at home in this space. Once we arrived up to Fort Augusta, it was also really, really sweet to have an hour or two there where we could just kind of mill around. We got to walk out and see the water, and we even had a meal at a spot that I mentioned before, the boathouse. It was really surreal to be there because we just weren't sure what to expect and to have such a jam-packed day from hearing all this history, seeing this beautiful landscape, and experiencing this place that we'd heard about since we were children, we were just kind of frozen. Not frozen in a bad way, but just with contentment. We were really happy with what we had chosen and we we're glad that we took the tour instead of renting a car because I think, one, we would have missed out on so many things just trying to manage the logistics of getting to where we arrived naturally on our tour. And secondarily, there were so many things that we were able to just take in from the window. We were able to just sit and enjoy. And that was priceless.
there are three spots that I'd want to just tack on the end here as other honorable mentions. That's Cloisters, Indigo Yard, and Brewdog. Cloisters had some solid games and great beers. The atmosphere and vibe there was just communal. People felt like they wanted to kind of be around each other. And I can't remember if we ended up playing a game with someone else or we just kind of were people watching so hard that it felt like we were all at the same table. There's also Indigo Yard, um, really solid in our neighborhood, great food, um, and really, really good, good restaurant in the city center. And finally, Brewdog. So Brewdog was really solid as well for a bite, and they had a ton of beers that we threw on a couple different flights. Uh, they were super, super knowledgeable for what they had on tap, as well as super generous. They kind of gave us a double flight because we stood at the bar for a while before they closed just simply trying different ones. They were pretty hell-bent on getting Audrey to love beer, so they kept trying to get her to try these different sours, sweets, and even a few hazies. So it was cool to see them really put themselves out there for a customer that may or may not come back, but I definitely would recommend a visit to BrewDog if you have a second. It is a chain. It's not just one location, but it's definitely worth popping into. So for us, our trip to Scotland was just jam-packed. I would say if you go to Scotland, top three things. Number one, try haggis. Do it. It's worth it. I don't fully know everything about it. So if you have some kind of food aversion or food sensitivity, obviously take care of yourself and look up those recipes. Maybe request some kind of vegan haggis if that's a thing. Number two, tour the city. Make sure you make time just to do the walking tours and even revisit the places you see on the walking tours. It's really, really, really incredible to kind of just soak it in. I mentioned a lot of things we did in kind of the central city, old Edinburgh area, but there are so many parts of Edinburgh that are just cool to look at. The architecture, the art, and kind of the form and layout of the city is one that just kind of captures and captivates you. So give it some time. Even if the weather's not nice, tour around on foot and meander. Make time to wander. The last thing I would say is get outside of Edinburgh. It's important to make sure you take some time to really expand your idea of what Scotland can be. And I would say the Highlands is a great choice. So if you want to try something else, whether it be another city or somewhere like Isle of Skye, give it a try. Because I think that Scotland itself is an incredible country, an incredible piece of the UK, and something that's really just a gem to be enjoyed. I'm Dietrich Hunter, and this has been Curate Curiosity. Follow us at Curate Curiosity on Instagram and wherever you listen to podcasts.